You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, the first commandment is the love of God. The second is the love of neighbor. And there's an order to this charity. The love of God must come first because he's the creator and the redeemer of all things. And he's expressed his will not only outwardly by the sacred scriptures and the tradition, but also manifested by the way he made things. That's called the natural law. And the love of neighbor, this second, is based upon this love of God and the, and the love of the will of God. And we have to have this ordered charity or we make all kinds of mistakes. Again, we say the second is like it. That word like it comes from the likeness to God. Remember back in Genesis, man and woman were made in the image and the likeness to God. We're not gods. We're made in his image and his likeness. Again, we see the order to charity established right from the beginning. If we put the love of neighbor first, we begin to forget God. We undermine the likeness to God by pretending that we're the ones who are gods. We might become utterly self-absorbed, or we might become just do-gooders. We love those that it makes me feel good to love. Maybe you've noticed those wonderful commercials uh, on television for hospitals with the handicapped children. And they're so sweet. They're so kindly. They're so beautiful. They're so wonderful. And our hearts go out and our wallets open up because it makes us feel good to love them. It's not wrong in itself. But what about if we forget all those that are more deformed? We might fail to love the deformed, might fail to love the unborn. We can destroy charity altogether following our feelings and pretending that it's charity. We can even be led into a false compassion that doesn't truly help people, but makes us feel good about that while leaving them enslaved in their pain. We can even end up with the brotherhood of man without the fatherhood of God. All of these are problems from a disordered charity. The love of God must come first because it brings with it the truth, and then we're able to love our neighbor well. This past Wednesday, a documentary film on the life of Pope Francis was released. And the film was entitled Francesco, directed by an Israeli-American filmmaker, Evgeny Afanevsky. In it, Pope Francis is seen stating his support for some form of legal recognition of homosexual civil unions. Again, this endorsement of civil unions for same-sex couples is deeply troubling. It repudiates the unchangeable truth in the teachings of St. John Paul II, that respect for homosexual persons cannot lead in any way to approval of homosexual behavior or to legal recognition of homosexual unions, and that the legal recognition of homosexual unions or placing them on the same level as a marriage would mean not only the approval of deviant behavior with the consequence of making it a model for present-day society, but would also obscure the basic values which belong to the common inheritance of humanity. In other words, this is going to require some correction a significant walk back of some sort. In addition to endorsing civil unions, Pope Francis says that homosexuals have a right to a family. What are we to make of this? There is evidence that Afanevsky has egregiously taken this statement from the videotape in 2019, an interview with Pope Francis by a Mexican journalist, and taken it out of context. Pope Francis was, in fact, speaking about the right of homosexuals not to be rejected by their own families. He was not talking about homosexuals creating new families of their own, presumably by adoption or through surrogate motherhood. The problem remains the Vatican has publicly embraced the film. And the Pope's right to a family comments are now being widely interpreted in the media in ways surely intended by the, by the director, but not by Pope Francis. 
So the Vatican has a duty to issue a correcting statement clearly that Pope Francis is not giving endorsement to a right to adoption of children by homosexual couples. The church has always taught that there is no right of two men or two women living in an immoral relationship to adopt children. Catholic doctrine teaches that homosexual persons should refrain from same-sex activity, not enter into sinful relationships that can lead to mortal sin. Pope Francis' remarks will give encouragement to all those who, Catholic or not, will reject the church's teaching that sodomy is an inherently evil act. And those who already reject the church's teaching will claim the church now accepts homosexual activity as something good when it offers a real good life of a family of some sort. And in the context the Pope has placed it, the same-sex families deserve not only legal protection via civil unions, but also societal approval. This is a mistake. This too will require correction. This is not the faith of the church. We have to be very clear about these things. Pope Francis' teaching has already had a terrible consequence for the faithful already. One young couple that I know, they're married a couple of years, they have one small child, They've been doing their best to live a wonderful, strong, faithful Catholic life. And the husband came home after all of this news had broken this week. He looked up on the wall and he saw this, this giant framed picture of a papal blessing with all the beautiful scroll work and the Vatican approval and the picture of Pope Francis in the middle. And he took that down off of the wall and he set it aside. And there's a reason. Because his struggle to live a strong, faithful Catholic life has really cost him a battle in his family of origin. His family supported his marriage and then demanded that he support his sister's gay marriage. And he knew that he couldn't do it. He knew that would be wrong. He knew that would be a huge mistake. And he stood with the church. He suffered for the sake of the church. And now he feels betrayed by Pope Francis. Rather than building bridges, the Pope is burning bridges in this case. And so we, we recognize that all of our charity has to be about the love of God first, and then the love of the truth, the way that he made things. And then we love our neighbor well. Then we love our neighbor properly. That's how this is supposed to work. Now again, we should remind ourselves that Christ is the head of the church. The Pope is the vicar of Christ. The Pope is a witness to the faith. And the Pope, the successors of Peter, are to confirm the brethren in sound doctrine. But the Pope is not an all-powerful authority who can change Catholic doctrine according to his own way of thinking. Now, we want to love God and our neighbor, and this can only be done in the truth, the way things really are. And this is an opportunity to re reaffirm what the church teaches about marriage. Now, marriage must necessarily occur between people of the opposite sex, because marriage is meant for procreation and the education of children. Did you know that marriage is about procreation first? Marriage is about romance and personal fulfillment second. Not that it isn't important to have romance and happiness within one's marriage. These are there so that we can more effectively raise our children. Romance there, as it were, is only a means to a greater end. Is there really a difference between civil unions and gay marriage? It's a distinction without a real difference. The reason the state bestows legal benefits upon married people of the opposite sex is to help them in raising their children. In this sense, such benefits have no real use for couples of the same sex. They inherently cannot raise children that are from both of them. What about children of a same-sex couple? Again, those children have the right to parents, a mother and a father. Doesn't this make these children any less? No, their children have a dignity. And in fact, that dignity of human beings demands that they be brought into the world again, raised by a, a biological mother and a father. 
They are not to be a product to be purchased or created in a laboratory so that their same-sex parents can have a personal fulfillment of having children. And the same with adopted children. They, too, have a right to a mother and a father. You see where false compassion can lead us astray? Putting the love of neighbor ahead of the love of God separates us from the truth and leads us to offer false compassion in ways we ought not. What has caused this distorted view of marriage, of putting romance first, of putting personal wants above all else? Without question, it's been society's wholesale acceptance of contraception. By separating the marital act from procreation, it's, it's caused us to erroneously think of sexual activity as all about personal fulfillment, and the children become accessories. Once we take this view of marriage, or even of a civil union, there's no reason not to grant than partners of the, those of the same sex to grant them this status. If marriage is merely about fulfilling one's own or one's partner's personal desires, then the love of neighbor has taken place ahead of God. We can't logically, therefore, deny anyone the right to seek their own personal fulfillment. If, if, that, if that's number one, all other acts appear equal. No reason to stop same-sex union. No, re, no reason to stop polygamy. As long as they love each other, what would be the difference? And it goes on and on. You can, you can name the vice as long as people are consenting, it would seem to be true. And yet, that's not okay. So, why should we not want people to have their desires fulfilled? You and I are not merely a bag of chemicals mixed together, beholding to our own disordered desires. We're images of God. We're made in his image and likeness. We have a mind and a will. We can know the order. We can see what God intended for us. We can find our fulfillment in walking and acting as images of God. We can know the truth. And we also know that that must lead to fulfillment. And acting against our own dignity always brings self-destruction. Very important to recognize. Acting against our own dignity always destroys us. If we should do that as a society, it wounds the entire society. Again, we're made in this image and likeness of God. We're created in love and we're made for love. We are inherently lovable. To love someone as a means to helping them live in accord with that truth, that's fulfillment. To help someone achieve personal goals outside of the truth is false compassion. Doesn't this make those with same-sex attraction feel less than others? Doesn't it make them feel as though they're outside of the church? Nothing could be further from the truth. A man or woman with same-sex attraction who embraces the cross as their own way of life, living chastity, they're living a holy life without the consolation of starting a nuclear family of their own, without the consolation of religious life or the priesthood. No, these are not outsiders to the church. They're at the very heart of the church. They're witness of the most profound, the most real truth of all, that there is a consolation beyond the consolations of this world, beyond what we might find in personal pleasures, that embracing the hardship for the sake of the truth, who is God himself, is worth infinitely more than any happiness this life could offer. Those who follow this path, in the words of St. Paul today, embrace the word in great affliction with joy from the Holy Spirit. They become a model for the rest of us believers that we too can embrace our lesser crosses for the sake of our own idols, for our own personal fulfillment, for the greater happiness that God holds out before us. Yes, we are called to embrace the truth with love. This is the context for Jesus' teaching. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself.